you know, the, the, the fact that Jesus came and died, the reason why he came and died was, as I taught uh, a few weeks ago, the his death is all about releasing the righteous dead, but his life is all about us who are here. Amen. The Bible said that if you believe that Jesus died and was resurrected, if we are buried with him by baptism, then we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Amen. And we've been studying all this month. This month, the title was, When Shall These Things Be? Because I don't know if you've been watching the news and, and hearing some of the things that are going on. We are, we are certainly in what I think are end, end times. I, I, I don't make 10-year plans. I have no idea where I'll be in 10 years. I hope in heaven. I hope, I hope that's, that's my hope. That's my hope. Amen. That's my hope that we, we are all together when the, the Lord... Wouldn't it be great if it was on a Sunday? If we were in church, amen, when that happened, amen. Anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on. It says, we, we, our, our lesson last week took this as the, as the key uh, theme, Matthew 24 and verse 3. And it was Jesus giving a little private briefing to his disciples. They were asking him about when all the things were going to wrap up. When would these things be? And he gave them some clues. He gave them some, some pointers. So I'll just read Matthew 24, verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world. So they asked three questions, three separate questions, about when all of these things that he had been talking about uh, would be. What triggered this conversation? It was, the, I believe, the last time that he came to Jerusalem, and they were showing him how beautiful the temple looked. He was on the hillside on the Mount of Olives, and you could look down and you could see this beautiful temple. Today, what's on the Mount of Olives, sorry, what's on the, on the mount where the temple stood is the Al-Aqsa Mosque and also a, a shrine to Muhammad called the Dome of the Rock. So when you look down, you see this golden dome. But back in those days, they say that the temple was covered with a, a, mar a white marble so that when the sun shone at it, it just, it just lit up like, like, a, like a light. And so it was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And it looked so beautiful. It had taken 40 years uh, for King Herod to build this magnificent temple. And the disciples were marveling at it. And he said to them, you know, very shortly, not one stone will be left upon another. Not one stone would be left upon another because he was foreseeing what would happen in most of those people's lifetimes. In 40 years, the Romans were going to come and they were going to destroy Jerusalem. They would, they would uh, crucify over a million people. They, they, they took down complete forests to make crucifixes. And Jesus wept. He wept when he looked at what was going to happen because he knew what was going to happen. And today, if we could see what was going to happen, maybe we would be weeping too. Because it's not just that we may escape the things to come, but we need to bring someone else, to save someone else, to tell someone else. And the only way that happens is when people see that we believe. Amen. There's nothing stronger than your own personal conviction and your own personal witness. Just to go over a few things, we talked about some terms uh, last week about tribulation and the great tribulation, and the rapture, and the second coming, because all those things are not the same, okay? They're not the same, and we, we went over some of those things, and of course, what's known as the millennium, 
And so I'm going to just refresh us before we go on a little bit. The tribulation, of course, is speaking about that predicted period in history of seven years that is about to come upon the world. About to come upon the world. As I told you last week, my mortgage doesn't get paid off till 2050-something. So I'm not looking for it to get paid off. <laughs> Amen. I'd, I'd have to live to 100 and something, I think. Amen. And I'm not looking to live to 100 and something. I'm looking to live forever, but not on earth. Amen. The Bible talks about that period of seven years where it's called Jacob's trouble, a time of trouble, a time of, of, of things on this earth that have never been, worse than have ever been. And now that, that really makes you want to really think about that because there have been some terrible times on earth. When we look at what happened during World War II and all the millions, 50 million people that were killed, the 6 million Jews that were um, put to death in the gas chambers, and we think, can it get worse than that? Well, the Bible tells us it can and that it will. And that is why we are here today, because we want to be in the group that is taken out. Matthew 24, 29, here's Jesus continuing his talk. He said, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. All of this was predicted in the book of Daniel uh, about that period of seven years that we, we've been teaching about and have taught about on Tuesday nights that it is coming. Amen. Now, when is it coming? I don't know exactly. But the Bible said when you see the signs, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now, none of this, as I said, the greatest sign that we are in this period is, of course, the nation of Israel. You know, at, at year 1,000, people thought this was the, the day, but there was no nation of Israel. At year 1,500, they probably thought this was the day, probably all, the, all through the ages up until 1948, when there was no nation of Israel. But then in May 14, 1948, there comes the United Nations declaring and establishing the state of Israel. The Bible says that Israel is the fig tree, and we're going to look at that a little bit more. He says, when you see the fig tree blossom. Now, when you go back into the Bible and you look at all the other strange tribes that were around, they got some strange names, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Hevites, and all those things. Where are they today? They're gone. They have been erased from history. But for 2,000 years, there was no such thing as a nation of Israel. And yet, because God said it was going to happen, after 2,000 years, here comes the nation of Israel. Jesus said, when you see the fig tree blossom, look up. We know that, that Israel was, was, was formed as a nation in 1948, and then in 1967, they captured back the city of Jerusalem. In, in June the 6th, the, what's known as the Six-Day War, in six days, they defeated three surrounding armies that outnumbered them almost five to one. It was a supernatural victory. It was biblical. They lost almost no soldiers, no planes. You go back and study that war. It's, it's called the Six-Day War. And then on the seventh day, they marched into Jerusalem. Now, if that doesn't uh, make you start to wake up and understand that there's something going on here, then I don't know what will. So we've seen that, that sign. We've seen uh, 
starting in, in, in 2014, we had those series of what they call the four blood moons, where each moon happened to fall on one of the Jewish feast days. Then we saw in 2017 the alignment of, of the, the, the um, constellation Virgo. It says a virgin shall be with child. And it aligned as, as the Bible predicted in the book of Revelation. So when we see all these things, you know, Jesus said, when you see this, is the, the fig tree blossom, you know that summer is near. Amen. That you know that summer is near. I was, my daughter was telling me last week it was like 70 degrees in, um, in Indianapolis. I thought, wow, that's a little bit early. And it was at night it was 70 degrees. It was so strange. And we, we were talking about that. So we are coming up to this period called the, the tribulation. Now the tribulation is seven years long. And it's divided into two, two sections. The last half is called the great tribulation. And even in that period of time, there will be some people who manage to escape. In Revelation chapter 7 and verse 14, we see John in his uh, vision, he sees some people dressed in white robes. And the, the, the creature says unto him, do you know who these are? These are they which came out of great tribulation. These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. But the problem is, I don't want to go through great tribulation. <laughs> I'm a bit of a coward. <laughs> I, want, I, I, don't want, I want the easy. I want the easy. Amen. You don't have to go through great tribulation. You can be in the church, the bride of Christ. The Bible says he has not appointed us unto wrath. That means we don't have to go through that tribulation. You can be raptured before all of that stuff happens. Amen. And then we have, of course, the thing that we're waiting for called the rapture. In the Bible, it's called the hap haptizo, and it's the Greek for the catching away. It says, for the Lord himself, this is in Second Thessalonians, shall come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another. That's what I'm doing today. My hope is not in my retirement. My hope is not in Social Security. My hope is not in my job. My hope is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Because he is coming. He said, heaven and her earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Amen. We are coming up to some things that we never thought we'd see. In fact, we're seeing them now in this country. We're seeing things that you would never think were possible. Uh, you thought you heard of them in other countries, but not in America. And then, of course, finally, Jesus is going to come back to reign. Amen. He's going to come back to reign. When that angel says, puts one foot on the sand and one foot on the sea, and he says, let there be no more delay. It can't come soon enough. It can't come soon enough. You see how terrible this world is with 
even just natural evil with, with, with plagues and COVID. And, and then on top of that, you have human evil and man's general inhumanity to man. It can't come soon enough. In fact, God's wrath is going to be poured out, the Bible says, without measure. He gave man a beautiful place, a paradise, and all we have done is spill blood. That's all we have done. And then, of course, we get to rule and reign with him in the thousand years, which the, in, the, in the scriptures called the millennium. Amen. So let's go back, and we're going to look at this again in, in, in a little bit more detail and continue what we started last, last week. Remember, they asked him three questions. When shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming? And what shall be the sign of the end of the age? Approximately every 2,000 years, God has had to do something with this planet. The first 2,000 years came the flood. And we're going to look at that too today. 2,000 years after that came Jesus Christ. You know where we are right now? We're very close to the 2,000th year. You say, well, the date is 2023, but that is the date from his supposed birth. What I'm talking about is the date from his supposed death. Not supposed death, but his actual death. There is no doubt that Jesus Christ is an actual real figure. Even outside the Bible, there are so many witnesses to that. The historians, the Roman historians, chronicled the fact that there was this person called Jesus who was put to death. Pilate, Pontius Pilate is a recorded figure in history. This is not a myth or a fable. Peter says it's not as if we were deceived with some cunningly devised myth or fable because we were eyewitnesses, eyewitnesses. You know, you might die for something that you were persuaded was a was um, or believed, but this was something they saw with their own eyes. They saw him nailed to a cross. They saw a spear go through his side, and then they saw the risen Christ. Amen. You don't think that they would be willing to die for for a lie, for a fable that you know, as the as the Jews told it, his disciples came and stole his body. No, I'm not going to die for some fakeness. No, I'm going to die for the reality that Jesus Christ is risen. Amen. He is not here. <laughs> he is gone. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately. They, they got a private briefing. This was not something that he told everybody. In, in Matthew 13, he, Jesus told four parables. And he, he told a lot of parables. And the disciples asked him, why do you speak in parables? And he told them in Matthew 13, it's because the mysteries of the kingdom are given to you. Do you understand that? The mysteries of the kingdom are given to you. You can read the Bible and yet not understand it. Because it is inspired word of God. Therefore, it takes the inspired word of God to be the key to understand it. Now, salvation is not hidden. The things for salvation are not hidden. They're plain. Jesus told Nicodemus he must be born again. He must be born again. But if you want to know the master's plans, you have to be the son. Amen. You have to come into sonship. Amen. So let us look at this. As I told you, it's not the time of his birth that is critical. It's the time of his death. Because even today, they don't know exactly when he was born. 
In fact, the, today they think the calendar is off by two or three years. It's a window of five or six years. So they believe right now he was born in maybe 2 B.C. So two years uh, longer than the current date. So instead of being 2023, it could actually be 2024 or 2025. They don't know. But one thing we do know and one thing we can establish is when he died. That can be precisely dated to the very day. Amen. In Daniel 9.26 was given probably one of the most fantastic prophecies in the Bible. Daniel was in captivity in Babylon. And he knew from the prophecy of Jeremiah that they were going to be captives for 70 years. Isn't that amazing? One prophet was telling the other prophet what was going to happen. So the Bible says that Daniel looked up in the books of Jeremiah and he saw that Israel was going to be captive in Babylon for 70 years. Now here's the other amazing thing. Babylon captured a lot of people, a lot of nations. Guess how many nations that they released back? Only Israel. Why? Because God said so. God said so. And when God says, let there be, the only answer is? You sure about that? When God says, let there be, the only answer is? And God said, let my people go. And so Cyrus issued a decree when they took over the Babylonian Empire that the Jews should be released back to Israel. And there were four decrees that were issued by successive kings as successive waves of Jews went back to Israel. But the last one was the most important. And that one is recorded in history. It is in the year 446 B.C. on the 14th of March that King Artaxerxes gave the decree that fulfilled this prophecy. And after three score and two weeks, that's, that's after 60 and uh, two sets of sevens, shall Messiah be cut off. That was written uh, 586 B.C., 500 years before Jesus, long time before he was even born, it was prophesied to the very day when he would be crucified. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. He was speaking about the Romans who was going to come and they were going to destroy the temple. See how the prophecy is so specific? Pointing out that they were not Jews. But the prince that shall come, his name was, was Titus, and he became the Roman Empire emperor after he destroyed Jerusalem. His father had become emperor and left him in Jerusalem to take care of these pesky Jews who were always rebelling. So in AD 70, he brought four legions and surrounded Jerusalem. And the siege lasted about, I believe, a year to two years. But finally, they destroyed the, the whole city. And because of the gold that was in the temple, they took it apart, the, the, the sanctuary, stone by stone. And they took all these treasures to Rome and paraded it around the city of Rome. And it's actually commemorated in the city of Rome. You can go to Rome and you could see a triumphal arch. And on this arch, they've got depicted the triumph of, the, of Titus when he captured Jerusalem. And in the picture, you will see in that picture on that ark, the, 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 the candlesticks that they took from out the temple. The seven head. So you can see that this Bible is no myth. There is so much historical record, even written in a stone 
arch in Rome, in Rome showing that all these things happened. But Daniel here was given this prophecy of 60 and two sets of sevens, or in other words, 483 years. Shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself? Jesus didn't come for himself. He came for you and me. He came for you and me. And then it prophesies who would come and destroy the city. And so we see from that prophecy, we can tell exactly because of, of, of how the Jews used to celebrate Passover when, when it happened. We know that today Jesus was already gone because he was resurrected, amen, at sunset on the first day of the week, which was yesterday. So Sunday for the Jews, or the first day of the week, began yesterday at sunset. That's why when Mary Magdalene went to the tomb while it was yet dark, he was already gone. The angel rolled away the stone just to show that he was gone. He didn't need anyone to roll away the stone. He didn't need anyone to roll away the stone. The stone was rolled away to show he was already gone. Amen. He was already gone. So the timing of of the dates is not his birth, but his death. And we know that to the very day. How do we know that? Because of how the Jews uh, fixed their year. It was fixed based upon the moon. The moon. And it was fixed based upon the seasons. As, as the, the earth goes around the sun, I'm giving you a lesson here now. So, <laughs> As the earth goes around the suns, the seasons change, right? And the days get longer and they get shorter. And when we get to, to winter on the 21st of December, they call it the, the midwinter solstice. Yes, you, you've, you've listened to the Bible study. Amen. And that's the, that's the, shortest, that's the shortest daylight that we have. And then it starts to move out of winter towards summer. And about midsummer, we have the longest period of light. And that's called the, the, the midsummer solstice. In between, in between that, those two times, there is one day where the night and the day are equal. And they call that the vernal equinox. So twice a year, there is a day where the nighttime, the darkness, and the daytime is equal. And that's called the vernal equinox. And so once it happens in spring... And once it happens in the fall. So the spring day where the day and the night are equal, God told them, that's your marker. It's so precise. It doesn't change. They can change all the calendars they want. That day can't be changed. That day cannot be changed. God said, that's your marker. Once that day happens, the first new moon, the first new moon, that means when the, when the crescent moon is just started, will be the first day of the first month. And that month was called Nisan. And then 15 days later, or or 14 days later, when the moon is full, that will be the day of Passover. So you see how God gave them precisely how to fix it. So you don't need any calendar. You can fix exactly when Jesus was crucified. Because we know that he had to be in the grave three days and three nights. And so all you have to do is find a day in the years somewhere between 20 A.D. and 36 A.D., where Passover fell on a Wednesday. Because that's the only way you get three days and three nights. And there's only one year that fits that. So we can know exactly that in A.D. 31, 
on the 25th of April, Jesus was crucified. So we have a date. Now, I'm not saying we, we, can, we can take that date and do too much, but we know the seasons. Amen. Amen. I'm not trying to be a date setter. So let's look at the answers to the questions just very briefly. Amen. Let no man deceive you. I talked about last week, okay? We're in the season of deception. In fact, it's, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. The more I study, the more I see how it's going to get worse. As I told you last week, they can take any kind of picture of you or anyone and animate it to make it look absolutely real. They can take your voice and they can make it speak and say things you never said. You can find that on YouTube. It's gotten to the point now, it's so realistic, they, can, they, they don't even really need actors anymore. If they want to, they can take dead people and make them speak. Amen. Let no man deceive you, because many shall come in my name. There will be many people who use this time to say they are the Messiah, or they are the, the chosen ones. There will be wars and rumors of war. That goes without saying. I showed last week that right now, according to United Nations, there are 27 wars going on. 27 wars going on. And Jesus said, don't be troubled. This means it's coming close. Imagine when you could have been born. Imagine you could have been born in the Middle Ages. You could have been born in the 1600s. We could have been born uh, in any time period. But you know what? We've been born to be the last generation. They talk about the greatest generation, but I think we're the last generation. Because Jesus said those who begin to see these signs fulfilled won't pass away. Won't pass away. Amen. It's time to look up. These things must come to pass, but the end is not quite yet. Let's read. He said there would be pestilences and famines and earthquakes. You know, it just seemed, say, maybe 20 years ago that medicine had triumphed. They'd gotten rid of uh, smallpox. They'd gotten rid of polio. And then comes all these COVIDs and SARS and all these new things of which they had no defense. No defense. And then suddenly they find polio and smallpox now. They're detecting it again when they thought they had eradicated it. It was detected in New York this year a couple times. Pestilences, famines, and earthquakes. But then here's the next one. You will be persecuted for my name's sake. I hope you're ready for that. We get upset when someone doesn't shake our hand. <laughs> you know, pastor didn't shake my <laughs> Are you really ready for persecution? Pastor didn't call me. I was sick and pastor didn't call me. Are you really ready for persecution? Oh, boy. Are you ready for persecution? I mean, there is coming, you know, why should we be different from the early church? God wants true people. He, he wants people who mean this thing, who believe this thing. And you're going to be tested. Your faith is going to be tried. You're going to be given choices. Do you want to exist this place? Or are you going to keep on believing this thing? And, and, you know, the devil is so smart. He's working this thing from both ends. Both the extreme right and the extreme left. 
you see the division in the country. You see the division in the world. He's working both ends. And he's tearing society apart. Because there needs to be a false savior. Someone's going to say, I can fix this. Someone's going to be uh, the one who comes and says, I've got this. Jesus said, someone's going to come in my name and be accepted. Many shall be offended and hate one another and betray one. That's happening right now. Many are being offended. The country is so polarized, isn't it? So polarized. People are demonizing people and saying they're... And this is how you get to the point where you can kill someone and treat them like a dog because they're not human. They're less than human. This is what happened in Germany. First you, you say they're no good. Then you, then you keep on uh, speaking about them until they're less than human. Then you, you, then you can justify putting people in camps. Then you can justify shooting people. And of course, many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. You can go on YouTube and find anything you want to believe. You can find anything you want to believe. And people are finding it and are being deceived. As I said, we will know the season, right? Because God has given us the seasons. He said in, in Genesis that the day and night shall not uh, depart. And the seasons were there to tell us a time. So we'll know the season, but we won't know the exact day. You know why? Because he said he's going to have to shorten the day. We're at the point now where we can destroy ourselves so many times over. When Jesus gave that prophecy, they must have laughed at him. You're crazy. You can't, man can't destroy man altogether. We can't wipe ourselves off the earth. That was true until 1941 when they exploded the first nuclear bomb and then, then it became real. <laughs> Russia and America have thousands Thousands of nuclear weapons, many, many, many more times than, than is needed to destroy humanity. They've got thousands of them, thousands and thousands of them. Just America and, 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 and the USSR, or sorry, the, the, the uh, uh, Russian uh, um, Republic have got thousands of them. China's got, we're at the point where now they are, we are so close to man doing some of the things that God is going to have to step in. Remember what I said? Every 2,000 years approximately, God has to step in. Jesus said, except he shortened those days, there would not be even no flesh left alive. Now learn a parable. Here's Jesus in talking to his disciples. He says, learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. That means you will know the season. So likewise, when he shall see all these things, know that it is very near, even at the doors. I've been talking about the, the enormous sudden jump in artificial intelligence. And it's going so fast that from week to week, what I taught you three weeks ago is actually out of date now. I taught you three weeks ago that they hadn't connected it to the Internet. Well, that's not true anymore. You can, you can get these things... Uh, connected to the internet so that you can do all kinds of crazy things. Amen. And I'm laughing because um, I've, I was trying some of the things that you can, you can ask it. I've been asking this uh, one of them questions and seeing what it would tell me. So likewise, when you see these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, the generation, speaking this, this generation that sees these shall not pass till all these things 
be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, nor, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But he gives us another clue. He says, but this is going to be as in the days of Noah. So shall also be the coming of the Son of Man. So if we want to know how it was, we have to go and look in the days of Noah. We're going we're gonna to do that. We're going to just take a little detour and see what it, what it said. But as the, the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And he's, he repeats it. It's repeated in the book of Luke. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. So what were they doing? We find in Genesis 1, 31, God says the world is perfect. And God looked at everything he had created and said it was very good. Four chapters. That's all it took. Four chapters. Just a few uh, hundred years, a couple thousand years. Four chapters later, the earth has become terrible. It is full of violence. It is corrupt. Uh, I'm going to skip to here. The earth also was corrupt. Genesis 6.11. This is what forced God's hand the last time. The earth also was corrupt before God, and earth was filled with violence. Check. (laughs) Earth is filled with violence. There are thousands of people being killed and tortured right now. Right now, the earth is filled with violence, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. The reason for the rapture is for us to be taken out of here, because this place is going to become a place of punishment. The reason why God is taking us out of here is the same reason he took Noah out of the punishment. The thing that came down that brought destruction was the thing that took Noah up. The water coming down was the thing that raised the boat. You understand? I'm saying when destruction is coming, that's when we're going up. The Bible says he has not appointed us to wrath. Now, we're not going to suffer God's wrath, but we will experience some of the wrath of man because we are going to be tested. In this life, you shall have tribulation. And it's going to be worse than someone not shaking your hand or giving you a call. It's going to be your test of whether you are a son, you are a daughter. Satan is going to come to you and say, turn this stone into bread. You can cheat. You, you don't have to go through this. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. And all these things, all these things will I give to you. We are going to be, our sonship is going to be tested. Our sonship is going to be tried. There is going to be a, a trial that was going to come and say, you know, it's easy. Are you really a believer or not? He's going to make it so that, that we are going to have to make a choice. Amen. Now, why didn't, why didn't just God just tell us? Why is he hiding it? Why doesn't he just come out and say, next week, next week Sunday is the day? Wouldn't that be great if I knew? I could really plan. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't be going to work tomorrow, that's for sure. So why doesn't God just tell us a date? First of August. Then I could plan, you know, we could plan. 
we could plan. If he would just tell us a date, we could, we could just, you know. You know what would happen if God told us a date? There would be some of us that would wait until the, the day before to try and get stuff straightened out. There'd be some of us that would say, I got another week. I got another month. There'd be some of us that would wait till like the, the day before to say, my goodness, it's tomorrow. Now, you may all laugh, but some of you are like that. You know some dates right now. You're laughing, but some of you, you wait till the 14th of April to do your taxes. <laughs> There's some of you that you already know some deadline dates, and that's what you do with dates you know. But there are reasons why God did not want us to know the date. 1 Corinthians 2, 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. It's what I've been teaching for a while, that Satan had no idea why Jesus really came the first time. It says, for had they known it, if he had known that Jesus was going to become the sin offering and come down there and, and beat him up and take away his kingdom, would not have crucified the Lord of glory. He had no doubt. He thought he just came to take the earthly kingdom. And so he tried to kill him. Because had he known it, he would not have done it. And the reason is Satan, God does not tell us everything, is because Satan would also know. There's a lot of things Satan doesn't know. There's a lot of mysteries yet to be revealed. There's a lot of surprises under the tree still. And I told you how I know is because when John saw his his vision in Revelation, the Bible said seven thunders uttered their voices. And he picked up his pen, is about to write, and God said, nope, seal that up. Keep that secret. I, I want some more surprises. I hath not seen nor ear heard what God hath got in store for them that love him. Do you love him today? Do you love him today? He's got some surprises, and I mean good surprises. The Bible says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat. That's not a seat of punishment. That's a seat of reward. It's, it was a, in the Greek, it's called the bema seat. It was a seat that they would give a prize to for those who had won, uh, run the, the race and won the race. Paul says we've got to run this race with patience. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. It's he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. There's some endurance going to be needed. There's some strength. You've got to get your second wind. You've got to get your second breath because there, this, this, is, this is not some easy cakewalk. It's he that endureth to the end. The reason why God doesn't just tell us the date, many reasons, but one of them, he doesn't want Satan to know. Here it is. For had they known, he would have altered his plans. See, he tried to alter his plans through Peter. He said, listen, listen, Jesus, you don't have to go to Jerusalem. If you know they're going to arrest you and kill you, don't go. And what did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. That's what you got to say a lot of times. You got to say, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm going forward. I'm not going backwards. For we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. 
See, many of the things God has planned, he doesn't want Satan to know. But in Revelation 13, you know what it tells us? There's coming a day when the mystery will be revealed. In Revelation 13, when that angel, I spoke about it before, puts one foot on the sand and one foot on the sea, says, and the mystery of God which he hath revealed uh, through his prophets will be completely open. Then we will know as we are known. We won't even be, be wondering anymore. Because at that time, the angel declares the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our own Lord. The disciples wanted to know the date and the time. They weren't satisfied with knowing the season. So they demanded of Jesus, look, when are you going to do this? Here's what Jesus said to them. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. You, you'll understand generally which the Father hath put in his power. There's some things that God has reserved to himself. There's some things that, you know, to be honest with you, to be truthful for you, if we actually knew the day of our death, we'd probably be paralyzed. You wouldn't come out of your house. You'd lock yourself in your room, especially as you see the day approaching. <laughs> There's some dates it's better you don't know. <laughs> Else you couldn't do nothing. Like if you actually knew that uh, Wednesday at 3 o'clock well, you were going to have a heart attack, you probably would go home right now and just lay in the bed. <laughs> Drink some water, take all your pills, and just lay there as still as possible to try and stop it happening. Most of us would be like a deer in headlights if we knew some of the things that were going to happen in our life. God is, it's a mercy that God doesn't let us know everything because it would paralyze us. We wouldn't actually be able to live life because we'd be always just looking for the next thing. But God in his mercy has reserved some things into his own power. The thing to be is to be ready. To be ready. We will have some, we will have some notice. I really believe we'll have a little bit of notice. We won't know the day or the hour, but I really believe we'll have a little bit of notice. You know why? Because when they were leaving Egypt, Moses told them, listen, this is what's going to happen. In three days' time, you're going to be leaving Egypt. Here's what you do on the tenth day. Get you your lamb. Start to get prepared. That's what I'm telling you now. Start to get prepared. Get you your lamb on the tenth day. And you bring him in. And you keep that lamb with you for three and a half days. And on the evening of the fourteenth of Nisan, you kill that lamb. Because we're leaving Egypt. I want you to eat with your bags packed. Go pack your bags. Get your everything ready to go. See, most of us, those women of you who've had babies, you know about getting the bags packed, right? And the reason is because you don't know exactly when. I mean, you're given some date, but it could be two weeks early, could be two weeks late. So most of you, you have some kind of go bag. You remember that? You have some go bag where you got certain things because something could happen. That water thing could happen. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not a woman. Uh, and and then, then it's go time, right? You, you, you make sure the car has got gas in it from the night before. And then you got that back. On the night they were to leave, Moses had warned them, I want you to, to eat fully dressed. I want you to eat like you, this is your last meal. I want you to get everything ready. Do you understand this is where we are at? We should be so ready for the coming of the Lord. Because the Bible says that in a time you think not. Think not. 
Some people, the baby comes so fast they don't even get to the hospital. Happens, you've heard about it in the taxi or the car. See, God is not going to tell us the precise time. He just wants us to be ready. But we will be warned. Because at midnight, there went a cry. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Now, you talked about the third day. I'm, I'm giving you all the little hints. There's something about this third day in Scripture. Now, there were, usually in those days, a, marri- a wedding ceremony, you had to be fairly wealthy, was lasted seven days. And Jesus and his disciples were invited to a wedding. And it's strange how the Bible tells us something interesting. He said he showed up on the third day. The wedding had already been, feast had been going on. And on the third day, see, remember, it was seven, seven years, seven days. And on the third day, he, there's a clue here. I'm, I'm trying to give you a clue here. On the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called. Now, that word called, it, it sounds as if it's an invitation, but it's more than that. It means, and you can't see it there, it means to shout out loud. To call aloud, utter in a loud voice. You understand what the Bible is giving us a hint there? It's the marriage supper. There was a shout that invited people to this marriage supper. It was on, he went on the third day. Third day. You see, there's a mystery there about the third day. We're coming up, do you know, to the third day. We're coming up to the third day. It was on the third day. That, the, that Moses was called up to Mount Sinai. Exodus 19.10, And the Lord said unto Moses, Again, they were warned. They were given three days' notice. On the, Moses told the people, when they came to Mount Sinai, it had, been, uh, 40, uh, it had been 46 days from leaving Egypt. And they came to Mount Sinai, and then Mo, God told Moses to warn the people. Because on the third day, On the third day, I'm coming down. Go unto the people and sanctify them. Get them ready. To let them wash their clothes. Get ready. And be ready against the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down. In the sight of all the people. Upon Mount Sinai. They got three-day notice. They got three-day notice when they were leaving Egypt. They got a three-day notice when they came to Mount Sinai. It's interesting. I'm not saying you're going to get a three-day notice. I'm just telling you what the Bible did before. I don't know what notice. Maybe you won't get no notice. Maybe this is the notice. Maybe you only have three days. (laughs) I don't know. So it's on the third day, Moses went up and God came down and met him on the top of the mountain. And Mount Sinai was altogether on smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. Now listen to this. And when the voice of a trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses up. You see the symbol? See the symbol on what happened on the third day? 
See, this third day is all through Scripture, so I think it means something. It means something. There was a time when Israel had to fight um, a battle, and I'll just read it. 2 Kings 25. Turn again and tell Hezekiah. Hezekiah had been told he was going to die, and he prayed. And the, the prophet told him something. Let's just read it. Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people. Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee on the third day. Thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord. You see how all through scripture God has put some little breadcrumbs for us to follow. He's telling us some, he's given us a, a signal here. Second Kings 20 verse 8, And Hezekiah said unto Isaiah, What shall be the sign the Lord will heal me? And that I shall go up into the house of the Lord the third day. And Isaiah the prophet cried unto the Lord. And he brought the shadow of the sundial back ten degrees. Now that's a miracle. That's a miracle. To show that this third day was going to be something real. The shadow on the sundial went back ten degrees. There's something the Lord is telling us about the third day. Now we go to the New Testament. And it was the last Feast of Tabernacles, which is a seven-day feast. The last feast before the following spring, Jesus would be crucified. And all his, the, all his brethren, all his brothers would say, you going up to the feast? You going up to the feast? They're trying to get him to go on the first day. And he didn't go. Let's just read it. Go we up unto this feast? I go not yet unto the feast, for my time is not full, full come. When he said these words... Unto them he abode still in, in Galilee. But when his brethren were gone up, then went he also up unto the feast. Not openly, but it was in secret. So he showed up at the feast, in the middle of the feast, which is the third day. Secret. A secret appearance. Then the Jews sought him at the feast, and he said, where is he? Now about the midst of the feast, suddenly they saw Jesus appear in the temple and taught. You understand? It was a seven-day feast. So when he came in the middle, it was the third day. We're seeing a pattern here because it was the Feast of Tabernacles, or as the Jews call it, Sukkot. So let's look a little bit more on this. Peter chapter 3, verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. That's why I'm saying we're coming up to the third day because we're on your year 2000 is almost completed from his death. A thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Hosea verse 6.1, here's a little other mystery. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day, he will raise us up. Early in the morning, Mary Magdalene comes at the beginning of the third day. And she came to the tomb, and she saw that the tomb was already open. See, it was the third day. This is the promise of the resurrection, that on the third day, what does it say? On, in the third day, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know... Then shall we know, if, 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 if we follow on to know, 
the Lord, his going forth is prepared as morning, and he shall come unto you. Amen. Isn't that an awesome scripture? Isn't that an awesome scripture? But it's not, it's not, it's not finished. There's a little bit more here. See, Matthew 17.1 speaks about six days. Now, remember, the third day is the middle of the seventh year, 7,000 year sequence. But the sixth day models the sixth day from creation. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John and his brother and bringeth them up. It's always about going up into a high mountain apart and was transfigured before them. This was the week just before he was arrested and was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto him them Moses and Elias talking with him. Now, there's, there's very something interesting about who was chosen to appear with Jesus, right? Something very interesting. Moses died. When he died, he went up Mount Nebo, and he wasn't allowed in his lifetime to go into the promised land. But he was allowed to go, and he was able to look at it. The other person in this vision or this thing that they saw was Elijah. And he, according to Scripture, never died. But he also was taken up. You know what this represents? Those who are dead and those who remain shall all be raptured up together, caught up to meet him. This is what God was showing. Those that are dead shall not prevent those that are alive. But we who remain and are alive shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet him. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. You see, in his life, he never got to make it. But this mountain, this mountain that they went up is actually inside Israel. So in his lifetime, in his flesh, he never got to make it to the promised land. But we see in this instance, we see that Moses did afterwards make it because this mountain that they went up is on this side of the Jordan. Amen. Behold, there appeared to him Moses who died. And it represents the two kind of people that are going to be called up. Amen. Disciples were always asking about his parables. They were, I'm almost finished. They were always asking about his parables. When is all this going to happen? When, when, what about the church? When are we going to get our turn? When are we going to be raptured? Well, you all know how I have been teaching this about the harvest. Matthew 13, 28. This was one of the parables that they didn't understand that they came and asked him. He said unto them, an enemy hath done this. He told them a parable of someone went and sowed good seed. And then someone else came and sowed some, some uh, weeds, some tares. And he said, an enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, wilt thou then we go and gather them up? And he said, nay, no, wait. Lest while you gather up the tares, you root up the wheat with them. But let them both grow together until the harvest. And which harvest is he talking about? The wheat harvest. See, there were several harvests in Israel. The first one at Passover, you all know, the barley, right? The barley. That represents the Jews. But 50 days later, on the day of Pentecost, they were commanded to bring the wheat harvest. 
You know who that is? That's us, the church. We are the wheat harvest. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them into bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat. That's how you can tell. It's the wheat harvest into my barn. So we are going to go in the wheat harvest. You see, we are not the Jews. In, in the Passover, they were to bring t- um, the, the bread without leaven. But at the wheat harvest, they were told to bring the bread with leaven. See, because God knows how we are, he says, come as you are. I'm going to fix you up. I'm going to clean you up. Amen. You can stand with me. Amen. I want you to know that we're living in the day of resurrection. We're living in the time of resurrection. The wheat harvest is going to be happening pretty soon. Amen. I'm going to go back and read this last scripture here that we read before in Hosea. Hosea 6.1. Come and let us return unto the Lord. For he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning and he shall come unto you. Amen. I think that's such an awesome scripture. After two days, he will revive us. In the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Amen. Come on out to Bible study if you want to hear some more details on Tuesday night. Amen. Amen. But the third day is coming. The third day is almost upon us. Amen. When you see all the things that are happening that that are are so surprising and so uh, fulfilling of the prophecies, when you see the toes trying to mix with the metal, then you know that the rock cut out without hands is about to appear. Then you know that that rock cut out without hands is about to appear and smash that image in the feet. Hallelujah. We're going to close this part of our, uh, our celebration service today, our Bible study. I hope you will meditate upon this. Because really what I'm doing is, is sounding out the cry, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. It's time for you to check your oil. <laughs> Not in your car. <laughs> it's time for you to check your oil. Do you have the oil in the vessel? Do you have the oil in the lamp? It's time for us to check our oil. This is not a time to be running out. Because at midnight there came a cry. I'm sorry, I know I make you stand and then I talk for 10 minutes. But I'm, I'm going to finish. It's, it's really funny or, or ironic that there is a group of scientists that they have this clock. They call it the doomsday clock. And their time of, of doomsday is midnight. It goes along exactly with the parable that Jesus said. Right now, that they've got it down, I think, like to third. It's, un, it's under a minute. It's in seconds. They believe that that's how close we are worldwide to doomsday. It's funny that they've chosen midnight because that's exactly what Jesus said. At midnight, there went out a cry. Behold. You know, I've grown up in this church, not this church, but all my life. I can't imagine what it would be like to miss it. 
Many of you have been saved many, many years. You've grown up hearing word after word after word. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Make sure there's the oil in the vessel and the oil in the lamp. Hallelujah. We're going to close this service. I'm looking forward to a great uh, celebrate Easter celebration service. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's put our minds and focus and say, even so, come quickly, Lord. Amen. I want to be in that wheat harvest. I want to be at the dawn of the third day. After two days, he will revive us. In the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you this morning for the greatness of your word, for your love, hallelujah, and for all that you have spoken to us today. Lord, I pray that you continue to just bless our service. Let your presence fill this place. Let your spirit have liberty to heal, hallelujah, to lift up, oh God, hallelujah, to touch, to comfort, Lord Jesus, to restore. Lord, I know that your grace is sufficient. Lord, we just thank you right now for your word that is to come, our praises that is to be lifted up. We give you the praise and the glory, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's give God a praise offering right now.